The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. This occurred over a decade ago when I was 18, I think. I was visiting a friend about an hour's drive from my college dorms, where I lived at the time. She had an older boyfriend who would buy us alcohol, so we hung out for a few hours in the evening, playing drinking games and just generally having a good time. By the time that I was heading back to my dorm, about 2 in the morning, I think, I was far too intoxicated to be driving, but like a lot of people, I didn't let that stop me. So I took off and about a mile down the road, at the intersection to turn onto the interstate, I hit a pothole. It seemed fine at first, so I kept on going. And just as I'm entering the interstate, I heard it. My tire had gone completely flat. I pulled over just to make sure, and there's no mistake, it's gone completely flat. As I was stopped on the shoulder, an old Cadillac passed me hitting the brakes. I could tell that they were looking at me, but I was drunk and I didn't care and figured that I'd probably slow down and look at somebody in my situation too. I reached for my cell phone to call my friend, whose house I had just left, and as soon as I hit dial, my phone died. I didn't have a car charger or anything too, but I knew how to change a tire and I knew that there was a trucker pull-off up ahead in an area locals refer to as the Beanfield. The bean field is basically just a large swath of woods and fields on either side of the interstate. I think it's not developed because of its proximity to a landfill, but I don't really know. Either way, I drove slowly up to the trucker pull-off. Nobody was there, except that old Cadillac that I saw earlier. His car was off, but his headlights were on and they were pointed straight into those woods. And I don't know what it was about it, but seeing that car there like that just sent chills through me. I was questioning whether or not it was the same car that slowed down on the interstate before, even though I knew that it was. I guess that I just didn't want to think that I was in danger. I kept telling myself, at least it's not a cop, at least it's not someone who could get me in trouble. When I look back, I can't believe that the worst case scenario going through my mind at the time was being arrested or being an intoxicated minor and driving drunk. 
Still, I, I parked on the opposite side of the pull-off, thinking if someone was going to come for me, I would at least have a few seconds to react. I then sat and I waited. Nervously, I watched his car. What was he doing? He stayed in his old Cadillac and after about 20 or 30 minutes of just sitting there, I thought that I'll just change the tire as quickly as I can. I got out of my car and I got my jack and my tire iron from the trunk. Still no movement from the man in the Cadillac, so I loosened the lug nuts and I started to jack up my wheel. I almost had the car lifted enough to change the wheel too when I heard a door open. The man was coming straight towards me. I picked up my tire iron and I got back in my car, locked all the doors and watched him walk towards my car with something in his hands. Maybe his own tire iron? I'm not sure, but we were the only people around. The interstate was empty at this stage, with the exception of a passing car here and there. I was drunk, sweating, shaking, and the intensity of this situation was really beginning to sink in. In fact, as I'm sharing this with you, the feeling is beginning to come back to me. I started telling myself that if you have to, you fight for your life. He stood by my door for a few seconds, then knocked. I don't know what possessed me to do this, but I cracked my window just slightly. He asked, having car troubles, and I said, no, I can change my own tire. I would just like if he would leave me alone. But he didn't leave. Instead, he started telling me that he just dropped his two-year-old grandbaby off with his daughter. She lives in this area. He just stops here sometimes to watch the deer. He said that he just got an automatic jack and why won't I just let him help me? He was persistent. He kept saying that he could get my car up in no time. I kept saying no and until he leaves I'm not going to get out of my car. I gripped my tire iron and he started becoming angry and he wasn't going anywhere. And just then blue lights flashed behind me. I was honestly so scared at this point that... I was about to wet my pants when the cop walked up and asked what was going on. I tried to tell him, but the man cut me off. Oh, um, I'm just helping her change her tire. I've got it under control and a number of other excuses to try to get the cop to leave. He didn't leave. He told the man that he would take over from here and to go on home. He must have seen the fear in my face and he said that I could get out of the car and that he could stay with me. So I got out, noticeably swaying and slurring. I opened my trunk again to get my donut and was horrified that I had an empty 30 pack and some empty cans were just rattling around in my trunk. Surprisingly though, the policeman didn't really seem to care that much. He changed my tire. The man was still lingering off to the side, trying to make small talk with this cop. I think as an excuse to stick around until he was gone until he had to forcefully tell him to get away from me before he finally got into his old Cadillac and left. He even followed me to a gas station and aired up my donut for me and followed me probably halfway back to my dorms before he finally turned off and went his own way. To this day, I still think that that officer, he saved me from something that night. He saved me from a shallow grave in the beanfield.
Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. I've decided to tell this story today because I know a lot of people have had similar experiences with weird or creepy host families, and know just how uncomfortable and awkward it is. This is a, a tad bit lengthy, but here it goes. So basically, some of my classmates in high school and I, along with some teachers, we went on a month-long trip around Europe to study, and as we only spent one week in each city, we stayed with host families for the most part. The trip had been going amazing too. My friend and I, who had chosen to stay together in our accommodation, had had a really good experience with an old lady that we stayed with the first part of the trip, so we were really excited to meet our next hosts. We had been encouraged to write an email to each of our hosts a week before we left home, just so that they could get to know us and we could get to know them, which helped making our first interactions not as awkward. However, I had sent a really nice email to the father of this family, his name is John, and he just never really replied. I didn't think much of it, he probably hadn't seen it, or maybe he just didn't want to answer, which is totally valid I suppose. But just when we got off the plane, I got an email from him which merely said, Hello, let me know when you get on the bus. I thought it was a bit cold, but I do tend to be a bit overly friendly sometimes, as a result of being extremely socially awkward, so I figured it was probably just me being too intense or something. The cab took us to their house, and we were greeted with the strongest glare that I had ever experienced. Again, me being overly friendly, I just sort of kept saying hi and thanking him for everything and whatnot, but he didn't even say anything. He just kept glaring at us and then at the taxi driver until the cab left and he just opened the door and let us inside. Before he even said hi or even showed us around the house or anything, he made us stay in the narrow entrance and began telling us the rules of the house, which is normal I suppose, but the way that he said it was very intimidating basically stating that we had to take extreme care of his house or we'd have to pay for anything and everything that we damaged, which, again, valid I suppose, but he didn't stop glaring at us like we had already broken something. 
He ordered us to take our shoes off and told us our room was on the third floor. Then he left. And so we had to carry our suitcases up the very, very tiny and narrow stairs, not even knowing where we were going because we obviously didn't know the house and he hadn't even showed us the way, but whatever we thought. It's probably just the awkward introduction. But the awkwardness had only just started, to be honest. You see... We were called down for dinner and we sat waiting whilst he cooked for us and his daughters. He asked us which one of us was vegetarian, that's me, and after explaining how stupid and unhealthy I was for not eating meat and how being a vegetarian would take 10 years off your life, he handed me a little bowl of literally five pieces of very small lettuce leaves. Again, kind of awkward, I know, but we wouldn't even have dinner at their house since the school that we were exchanging into covered our meals, something I'm still so glad about too. So, in the end, it was fine. He started asking some really specific private questions though, like, how much money have you brought? Where do you keep it so you don't lose it? And do you come from rich families? Which made us very uncomfortable, to say the least. So we just said we didn't know and tried to change the subject. He also ordered us to never speak Spanish, our mother tongue, whenever we were there, even if we were alone, inside or outside the house, which obviously we didn't do because, well, we speak Spanish. It's not like we have trouble speaking English or anything, but it was just ridiculous when we were literally talking alone. But whenever he would hear us talking in Spanish in our room, which I still don't know how he did, He'd come up and scold us for not conversing in English. Yes, he actually scolded us for not speaking in English. We also later learned too that his wife suffered from a disease. I'm not going to go into detail about that for privacy reasons, but we didn't see her around much, which might explain it. But that night, my friend took a shower first, then me, and whilst I was getting dressed in the bathroom, he came into our rooms and started talking to us and asking us other questions about us. It was really uncomfortable too because, like I said, I was still in the bathroom and he kept coming near the door to ask me stuff and then turning back to talk to my friend. But after a while, he left, thankfully, and it was fine. But it was at this stage that we discussed that it was really weird and we were really worried about the money questions because it was his own house and he could easily just come in the room in the middle of the night, open our suitcases and do whatever he wanted. So, the next morning we got up really early and came down for breakfast. To be honest too, I think we kind of had high expectations because of our last host and how they were just the absolute best. So, we were expecting that he would, at the very least, have a slice of bread for us or something. And yeah, he didn't. But that's not the bad part too. You see, whilst the whole family was eating at the table, he told us to go up and go through all the cabinets in the pantry, that there would surely be something to eat there. I honestly didn't feel comfortable with raiding through his family's kitchen while they were there just staring at me. My friend grabbed a banana at some stage because she didn't know what to do, and I said that I wasn't hungry, so in the end we just left and decided to no longer have breakfast at the house because it was just too awkward. And... I know you must be thinking that I'm overreacting, but first of all, I didn't know these people, and it was so uncomfortable. Besides, my social anxiety, that didn't help at all too, and I just couldn't bear being there anymore. As I said though, since we had dinner at school, we didn't really spend a lot of time with them, so we really only showered there and slept there, and 
That was pretty much it. But somehow, in the little time that we were at that house, he always found a way to make us feel more and more out of place. Like, we had to let him know via text when we were coming home, and I'd always be polite, but also friendly, so I would just say, Hi John, we're five minutes away. Always with a little exclamation mark to seem nice, I guess. But the second night we arrived home, and as we went through the front door, he came stomping his way towards us, absolutely furious like he was about to punch a wall, and he started yelling at me, telling me to never ever text him or any adult like that again. I was so incredibly confused and scared, like, what did I even send him? He pulled out his phone and made me read out loud that message. He said normal people do not text like that, that it was very disrespectful and, and proceeded to show the text to everyone around the house and asking them what they thought of this and if anyone had ever texted them like this and he was so angry about an exclamation mark. I was living inside, absolutely at the verge of tears and at the point of leaving the house and in the end I just said sorry and went to our room. He then came up smiling like nothing had happened and had the absolute audacity to ask, have you brought any gifts for us? We had, mind you, we had brought them a beautiful picture frame and lots of sweets from our country. We had spent a lot of money on them too, and we handed it out to them. He was acting like a little kid at Christmas, but when he opened them, he looked at them like we had given him a bag of trash. This is it? He asked, frowning. I thought it was going to be something better. I figured since we're letting you stay in our home. But I guess it's fine. Thanks. And then he left the room disappointed. We continued to have really, really bad encounters with him, telling us off like we were his daughters that he could yell at like it was nothing. At night, we'd hear screaming, fighting, banging and crying, and my friend wanted to contact accommodation services to ask for a host switch because we were truly having a really horrible time at this point, running away from our host to avoid another interaction, but I refused to. I know, pretty dumb. Because firstly, I was too shy and scared of what could happen when we told him that we were leaving for another home, and also, I felt really, really bad because of his wife. And I didn't want to give the family a hard time when they were probably already struggling with medical care and hosting was their only income. She was mad at him for a bit, but she thought the same as I did. As badly as we wanted to leave, we didn't think that it was right, so we decided to just suck it up, get it over with, and be on our way. We also had gotten lost at some point while we were on the night bus back home at one point. Luckily, there was a teacher from the school who we knew and she walked us home. And she asked who we were staying with and we told her that we were staying with John and mentioned that it was a bit uncomfortable there. And her face changed a little bit from happy to kind of worried. Yeah, I know him. We've been told that he's a bit uh, special, but uh, that's it really. I wouldn't worry about it too much, but just be careful, okay? Yeah, try to spend a night in that madhouse and you might come up with a different opinion. Anyway, when we told John about us getting lost and the teacher helping us, he seemed so interested in a sort of creepy way. He said that he knew her too and asked us how she was. And the creepiest part was that he asked us if we knew where she lived. Like, at least two or three times as well. 
We had seen her house, but we decided to tell him no because it was super weird. The last full day there too, he had told us that he probably wouldn't be home when we arrived, since he mentioned that he was meeting a friend or something, but that he would arrive no longer than 10 minutes after we did. We arrived home that night, and as he'd said, he wasn't home. This time, the only one home was his wife, and it was our first time getting to chat with her only. She was surprisingly nice too. She seemed genuinely like the only sane person in this house, and... We talked for a while actually and then we thanked her profusely for everything even though her husband is our nightmare and told her that she had a very beautiful family. Then she stopped smiling and said you think so? I don't think so and laughed but thank you and then it was just this awkward sort of silence for a moment for about 30 seconds I think in fact. Neither of us knew what to say to respond to that, so after a bit we just sort of nervously laughed and said goodnight and went to bed. John didn't return until almost midnight that night. He asked us if we had any laundry to do. I did. Some of the clothes I'd been wearing for a week and really needed to be washed. But then he said that he would do it and wouldn't let me go and help or do it myself. And honestly... This might be a stretch, but I really didn't want to give him my clothes for some reason. It just felt wrong. So I ended up declining, saying that I remembered that I actually had washed them, which I knew wasn't believable, but there was no way that I was about to give him my stuff. He kept insisting, asking over and over again if I was sure, and I said that I was. The next morning, we were really excited to finally be able to leave that house after a week that felt honestly like a month. We had our things ready and we took our stuff down the stairs to the main entrance, waiting for the cab to pick us up. Then he came downstairs and started to sort of make small talk with us. He kept looking at the window over and over again like he was looking for something. We thanked him for the hospitality, which wasn't provided, but you gotta be polite, I guess and he started rambling about how he loved hosting students, that he'd been doing this for like 10 years and stuff like that. And then he started saying weird stuff like, but you have to be careful because you don't know who you could be staying with. There's some crazy people out there, you know. And I swear to you that I was about to escape, getting ready to run, and then the cab arrived, finally, and he started suddenly acting super nice and happy, like we had the greatest relationship. He hugged my friend and then he went to hug me. I sort of reluctantly hugged him back for a second. And then we went out the door. As soon as I stepped out of that house, he slammed the door shut so loudly, even the cab driver looked scared. He glared at us through the little window while we got in the cab and drove off. And I've never been so relieved in my life to leave a place. It was honestly like a huge weight being pulled off my shoulders. And you can bet that I blocked that number so quickly. Glad that I would never have to see them again in my life. Now, I understand that families have their issues, but that man was absolutely terrifying. And even though I'm really thankful that I had at least a place to shower and sleep for a week, I'm sorry for anyone that has had to stay with him in over these 10 years of hosting, or may have to stay with him in the future. I guess the moral of the story is don't be like me. If you feel uncomfortable, then you should leave. No one's going to be mad at you. 
I guess that I'm lucky that nothing more than the overall weirdness and verbal abuse happened to me, but there's tons of cases in which these stories take a much darker turn. And it is truly better to be safe than sorry. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The story I'm about to tell you guys has never been discussed outside of my immediate family. All of this took place in a matter of minutes. I'm going to go into exact details so that you guys can decide for yourself what really happened that night. Because I don't know what to think. So 2002, New England. I'm finally settled into bed. I fall asleep the moment that my head hit the pillow. I was catching an early night in the AM for business. And suddenly I hear my eight-year-old son Russell running down the hall, rounding the corner that enters our bedroom. All I can think to myself is, not tonight, Russ. But it's like he has a built-in alarm system that goes off every time that I have a business trip. Russ and I are no stranger to this drill. He always stands a few feet from my side of the bed and whispers, I don't feel good. He doesn't want to wake his dad who has to see patients in the morning, and is quick to debunk Russ's plan to stay home from school. Exhausted, I go into mum mode and recite the ailment list. Okay, Russell, is it your head? It's your tummy. Are you hot? Are you cold? No answer. I force myself to sit up now. I glance at my alarm. It's like 3.40am. I don't turn on the light, although in reality my husband could sleep through a tornado. Russell, you need to answer me. What hurts? No answer. Okay, Russ. Come with me. I'll take you back to bed. I reach for my glasses on the nightstand. I put my hand out to Russ, and now seeing his small outline in the dark. Only, something isn't right. Although my room is dark, the child in front of me was so much darker than the actual room. He is the same height as Russell. He's wearing the same red shorts and t-shirt that I helped Russ into at bedtime. But never have I seen a child so severely emaciated. His arms and legs look like thin spindles. 
he has no hair, I can't turn away from his hollowed out eyes and he seems to be looking nowhere. His mouth is quite full, almost too large for his thin face with corners that turn up creating a sort of strange forced smile. The high bridge of his nose reminded me of the profiles that you see in Egyptian hieroglyphs and he looks as though he may be sleepwalking or lost. Deeply confused, is this a friend Russell took home or a child who somehow wandered into our home? Deeply confused, is this a friend Russell took home or a child who somehow wandered into our home? Keeping my eyes on him, I try to reach for my husband. I need to shake him awake, but he's at the very edge of our king-size bed and I can't reach him without moving completely from my spot. And I can't bring myself to move an inch. So I call out to my husband. Michael, wake up. Please, wake up. Somebody's in our house. He continues snoring. The child is perfectly still and now looking directly at me. I lean forward to examine him more closely and to my horror, I realize that this, this is not a child. Rocking side to side now on its thin feet, I can see that it's grinning. It kept making a sort of guttural sound followed by a child's soft cry that sounded exactly like Russell's yet its mouth never opened. Quickly tilting its head to one side as if trying to ask me a question, a low humming begins like the sound of a TV, and I'm trembling, but my rational brain tells me that this has to be a dream, a lucid dream, but how can I be dreaming if I'm sitting up like this? I can read the time on my clock, I see my nightstand, my bureau, I touch my face, my hands, I touch my eyes, they're definitely open, I now have no doubt that I'm awake and the figure instantly starts to move again, stepping closer in a quick disjointed movement as if it has a sort of severe curvature of the spine. It's too much for my brain to acknowledge. I've never been this frightened in my life, but I feel like I have to remain strong. I need to figure out what's going on here. It's slowly moving backwards in the exact way that it moves forwards, but about two yards away now. I call out for Michael once more. He mumbles, but still in a deep sleep. And then, all of a sudden, the figure starts to dissipate, dissolving quickly into a sort of smoke that resembled a spider's web, spinning rapidly into one large smoke sculpture forming into what looks like a hideous head of a creature. I would describe it as a dragon's head if I had to, that I had frequently seen in Asian architecture, but... The low buzzing just became louder. The creature is looking directly at me now. I only remember its amber eyes that were sort of long narrow slits. And then it charges directly at me as fast as lightning and it hits my chest. I'm then knocked flat on my back, rendering me breathless. Screaming at the top of my lungs now, I finally woke Michael, who jumped out of bed and turned the lights on. Russell came running in too, asking what the heck that us two were screaming about. I'm trying to sleep in case you forgot too, but Michael immediately understood that I was distraught. He picked up Russell, putting him at ease. Mummy just had a bad dream, he said. You know what that's like, Russ, don't you? He put Russ back to bed and joked about Mummy being a big crybaby, and I heard Russell laughing and knew that he would be okay. Although, I was pretty horrified that I had woken up my family like this in this disturbing way. 
Michael rushed back in quickly and closed our bedroom door. Calm down, Marla. You're hysterical. I was completely filled with dread. Michael, something... Something was really in our room. I thought it was Russell, but... It was something horrible. Not human. Marla, it was a bad dream, alright? I told you it was too soon to return to work. The effects of meningitis don't vanish overnight, you know... Many patients recovering have terrible hallucinations, especially creative people like you. Think of it as your brain rewiring, healing itself. Michael, I know you don't believe this, but I'm telling you, something physically knocked me down. I've never felt this way before in my entire life. Please, Michael, I wasn't dreaming. I need you to believe me. Michael returned soon and handed me a mild sedative. Take another big sip of water, Marla. You're going to cancel your business trip, alright? It's obvious that you're too stressed. Your work can wait. All that really matters right now is that you're okay. Remember, you're Russell's mother and he's our first priority, right? You're his safe place and you can't continue to scare him with all of this. Russell was so upset while you're in the hospital. Please, let's not add to it, alright? I love you, Marla, and I promise that you'll be just fine. It's the healing process of your brain, alright? You definitely experienced a hallucination, and it's an unusual sleep disorder, but it happens. And look, I understand that it was frightening. It probably felt very real, but it was just a dream. Why don't you take Russell to the beach tomorrow and enjoy yourself and have some fun? He kisses me and tucks me in, and... I just can't shake the dread, the fear, and my heart was physically hurting at this point. I can't stop the tears. I know Michael is right. He's always been my voice of reason. No malice, no dishonesty. It's simply his need to fix things, to find solutions. It's just how he's wired, and in fact, it's why I love him. But I would be lying if I said that my life didn't change that night. And my belief system, my fear, will never be the same again after that. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs, or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. 
Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today.